Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and uh, call us, 208 991 Well, today's episode is brought to you by the financial support of our listeners. Thank you so much for your support. Unfortunately, we don't have any 1950 episodes of The Fat Man, but here's the first of two 1951 episodes. This is the second to last show. This one's called The Nightmare Murder from January 17th, 1951. Here comes The Fat Man in The Nightmare Murder, starring J. Scott Smart. There he goes. He's stepping on the scale. Weight, 237 pounds. It takes a good man to make a first-class old-fashioned. You have to muddle the sugar, bitters, and water properly, then toss in the ice and whiskey, and then carefully twist the lemon peel on top. Like anything else, it's simply a matter of following the recipe. But here's another illustration. If you take a liberal jigger of motive, add a slice of opportunity and a dash of means, and then pile a dozen or more old-fashions on top of this, you're quite likely to end up with a real gruesome hangover. Murder. Like any solid, normal, routine job, this one began in my office. It was just after lunch. My feet were on the desk. I was munching a peppermint. I propped the latest edition just south of the bulge that marked the last resting place of a brace of breaded pork chops. When the phone rang. Runyon speaking. The detective? That's the debatable point, but I like to think so. Who's this? My name's George Dutton. Maybe you've heard of me. Oh, you mean the author? Well, that's a debatable point, too. I write mystery stories... Yes, I know. About private eyes who get hit on the head. Look, I've never had any need for a private eye. I don't even know what one looks like. I never even saw a pistol or a gangster or a corpse until last night. A corpse, that is. Uh, wait. Just wait a minute. Let's take this in secret. Are you hiring me? Maybe. How much? Fifty in expenses. Well, that's a lot, but I need you pretty badly. Uh, what's the trouble? I... I killed a girl last night. I want you to prove it. Uh, say that again and slower. You better come down here right away. Where are you? Melville Hospital. Alcoholic ward. 
The closest I'd ever been to the alcoholic ward at Melville was reading the lost weekend. After I convinced them I wasn't a prospective client, they gave me some of the dope on George Dutton. Their assumption was his writer's imagination had picked up an Italian collaborator during the period in question, namely a batch of martinis. Runyon? Yeah. What can I do for you, George? Sit down. On the bed. Uh-huh. I'll take it easy, William. I have... I know what you mean. Yeah, is that better? Yeah. Now, look. You're going to think I'm crazy like the rest of them, but I'm not paying you for an opinion. Here. Here's two days' worth. One hundred bucks. Thanks. Now, for this, I'm supposed to hang a murder rap on you, huh? Or did I hear it right over the phone? You did. At least I'll know, Runyon, if it happened. If I killed her, at least I'll know I'm not crazy. All right, Anything's George. better than that kind of doubt, Runyon. Anything. Now, take it easy, George. Just tell me about it, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. Calm, collected, lucid, logical, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've been working hard, see? Trying to meet my publisher's deadline on the novel. I got tired last night around 7 and went to bed. Dead, wrung out, gone, you know? Well, this I'm sure of. Somewhere around 10 or 11 o'clock, I got up, put on my clothes, and went out for a walk around the block. I just turned the corner when it happened. What? I'd seen the car a lot in my neighborhood, a black Buick convertible. I'd seen the girl in it, too. Stunning girl, blonde, eyes like sapphires, figure like... Well, yeah, I, I know what you mean. So what? So she... So she pulled up to the curb and asked me to get in. Well, how come? Well, am I so horrible? She did it, that's all. Okay. Who was she? I don't know. I don't know anything about her. She handed me a bottle and that's how it started. Mm-hmm. Mistake number one. That's so right. So anyway, we drove around for a while and I... Listened to her talk, and pretty soon the bottle was gone, so... She pulled out another one, and pretty soon that one was gone, too. What'd she talk about? Death? Hmm? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She perfectly normal at the time. She was fascinated by death. Wrote poems about it, she said. Quoted from them all the time. Anyway, things got pretty fuzzy about then. I don't remember much people, voices, lights... One thing, though, Runyon. One thing. There was a big red rooster about ten feet high. Oh, yeah, naturally. It wouldn't be an evening without one. Uh, what was the... Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. A sign, Runyon, a neon sign. I remember it blinking at me while she stopped by the trash can. What trash can? How do I know what trash can? A trash can. There was the red rooster and the trash can, and she stopped and took something out of her purse and dropped it in. And there were more lights and more people and more riding in the car, and then pretty soon we were alone. She was pouring drinks for the two of us. And where was this? I don't know. You got me. She handed me a glass, see? I raised hers for a toast to death. She said, 
And I saw she had a gun in her hand, pointing it at her head. I grabbed it, got a hold of it, but it went off. Oh, great. Last thing I remember was her lying on the floor, and then the floor was brushing up at me. Well, that's it. What do you mean, that's it? What happened after that? Nothing. When I opened my eyes, I was in my own bed in my own apartment with my clothes right where I'd left them at seven the night before. A night man swears I wasn't out of my room all night. Nobody believed me. They huh? said I dreamed it. I had a couple more drinks, found the, found the cop on the beat and told him, too. That's how I got here. They all think I'm crazy. <laughs> well, maybe I am. Maybe I am. <laughs> but go on, find out for me, Runyon. Get on it, will you? Get on it. So I got on it. First, there was a janitor at George's apartment. Wait, Mr. Runyon. I've been nightman here for 12 years. I know George Dutton as long as he lives here. He couldn't leave this building last night without me seeing him. And I didn't see him. You can take my word. He's not. Then there was the bar- bartender George had mentioned. <laughs> Look, all I know is he come in at an indecent hour this morning, screaming for the hair of the dog that bit him. Just like all the other times. Yeah. Especially the last time. <laughs> what happened last time? Oh, same thing, a couple of years ago. Only that night he got out of bed and trapped Adolf Hitler in the information booth at Grand Central. <laughs> the cop who'd hauled him over to Melville said the same thing. Likewise, a couple of newsboys. Verdict? Unanimous. George was a lush and a loony. And I was inclined to go along with him. On the theory that a special convertible, complete with blonde, is something even a New Yorker will stop and look at, I quiz the service stations around George's apartment house. Sure enough, up comes a guy who greased his gold-plated chassis only a month before. The record showed it belonged to Olivia Bradshaw at a Park Avenue address that went with the car, so I trotted over. Some kind of a soiree was going on in the huge living room. The butler looked at me, raised his eyebrows one at a time, and finally decided I wouldn't run off with the silver plate and hustled me into the library, which seemed to have another occupant. As a spirit with yellow eyes gleaming, will I to thy couch come again? Uh, when you say that smile, <laughs> what is it? This book, Baudelaire, lousy translation. By the way, I'm Joan Cameron, hideous poor country cousin. Who are you? One of Uncle Charles Tribal's sick of it? Oh, I'm not sure what that means, but I don't think so. My name's Brad Runyon. Oh. Uh, where is Lydia, by the way? Out somewhere. You looking for her? Yeah. Well, you're just in time. She and Uncle Charles are going abroad, you know. Sailing tonight. Oh, who's Uncle Charles? Lydia's guardian. Keep her to the keys to the Bradshaw Exchequer. Well, that sounds important. It is. Oh, and the chips, huh? Oh, no. He just has a pair of scissors to clip the coupons for Lydia, which, incidentally, is a full-time job. Mm-hmm. And that concludes my dissertation on the Bradshaws, a morbid subject of today. Let's talk about food. Sure, sweetheart. After we talk about a quick way I can get a hold of Uncle Charles. I beg your pardon? This friend is Uncle Charles. Uh, pretty quick. How do you do, Mr. Bradshaw? Ah, the Runyon, isn't it? It is. Now, if you'll excuse me. Hmm. Strange, girl. 
Now, Mr. Runyon. I've come on a peculiar errand, Mr. Bradshaw. When do you expect your niece Lydia back? Oh, in an hour, perhaps two, five. I wonder if she'd consider making a short visit to Melville Hospital. Melville? Good heavens, what for? A client of mine thinks he killed her last night. Now, just a minute. What kind of nonsense is this? I know it sounds crazy, but it isn't nonsense. His name's George Dutton, and he's in the alcoholic ward. He fell off the wagon last night, but hard. He has seen your niece riding around her, her convertible. She impressed him. So, instead of the usual pink elephants, he had some hallucination about taking a ride with her last night and killing her. We can't talk him out of it. Well, that's fantastic. What do you want Lydia to do about it? Well, just stop by the hospital and convince him he's wrong, that's all. But don't you understand we're sailing for Europe at midnight? Now, look, this will only take her ten minutes. And it may mean the man's sanity. Well... Otherwise, he's liable to be running around to the police and the newspapers. Uh, well, I'll ask Lydia to drop by. Good, and thanks. I'll be running along, then. Sorry to trouble you, Mr. Bradshaw. <laughs> What's the verdict, Runyon? You think I'm nuts now, too, huh? George, listen, listen. Now, hold yourself. This doesn't mean you're nuts. Could happen anyway. Shut up, shut up. What was her name? Lydia Bradshaw. Bradshaw? Yeah, and she's coming over here to see you. Now, her. listen, Runyon. You're working for me. See, you're not working for them. You're now, wait working... a minute, George. You listen to me. I'm telling you this happened. I was there. I wasn't... In bed dreaming it, the same is dead. Do you understand that? Shut up over there. I won't shut up. I'm telling you, kid, you'll go off your rocker. Now, look, Doc, wait. Look, George, there's no use arguing about it. I talked to her uncle. The girl's coming here. That'll convince you, won't it? She's not coming here because she's dead. She's dead. I held her with these two arms. I heard the gun go off. I felt her go limp in my arms. And my arm. Oh, no. No. I'm sorry. Who's George Duffy? Right over there. I'm Lydia Bradshaw. Well, what about it, George? You. You. You're all right. What do you mean, Mr. Duffy? Well, last night. Last night we were together, don't you remember? Why, no. Sorry, I don't. I don't remember ever seeing you before. Go away. Go away. Come on. Isn't there anything I can do? No, you may as well go now. But the poor man... You heard what he said. Now go on, get out of here. Get out! I'm terribly sorry. Thanks very much, Miss Bradshaw. I do hope you'll be all right. Yeah. Good night. Well, George, is that the girl? Yeah. That's the girl. So that turned it up. I refunded him 50 bucks of the hundred he gave me, recommended a good psychiatrist, and took off. It was after my dinner time, so I walked toward the East 50s in a little Italian restaurant that makes wonderful lasagna. Suddenly, I found myself looking across the street at a bar on the opposite corner with a blazing red rooster in neon light. 
course, he could have dreamed this, too. In his heyday, he probably knew every pub in town. But the business of the trash can opposite the entrance, which was right where he said it was, was pretty accurate dreaming, even for a professional dreamer like George. For this reason, I decided to sacrifice my dignity. I sidled up to the trash can and began probing around. It was there. A slim volume in black Morocco with gold lettering on the cover reading Skyward. Poems in Praise of Death by Lydia Bradshaw. I kicked myself for refunding that 50 bucks. I stood for a minute in the glow of the red rooster sign and thumbed through the book of poems. Then I went into the bar. Yes, sir, what do you have? Uh, make it a beer. Any special kind? Well... Now, how about a tall, cool glass of McCoy's Pale Ale? That sounds like a commercial. It is. See the sign up there? Don't let them fool you, brother. Reach for the real McCoy. Okay, I'm sold on one. Right. I quaffed my real McCoy and skimmed through Lydia's Odes to the Dark Angels. Tossing a Morocco-bound book into a trash can, it seemed a strange thing for a girl to do until you read the poetry, whereupon it became clearly the only thing to do. It was so awful, I gave up trying to read it and concentrated on the frontispiece, which, as with all privately printed works, was a picture of the author. Looking at it now, it seemed to me as if I'd seen Lydia Bradshaw somewhere before. Somewhere before she'd walked into George's room at the hospital. But I couldn't put my finger on it. How about another real McCoy? No, no. Uh, wait a minute. Don't go away. Yeah? Were you here last night? Sure. Why? Uh, here, take a look at this picture. You ever seen her? Uh, who is she? Name's Lydia Bradshaw. Was she in here last night? I don't know, maybe, but I don't remember seeing her. Hmm. She came in with the after-theater bunch. I wouldn't remember anyway. Marvin here four deep at the bar. Why, Frank? Huh? Oh, excuse me, I got to... Wait a minute, Frank. What do you mean you don't know, Lydia? Well, I didn't say that, Miss Cameron. Frank? I just... Well, I mean, I didn't say I don't know her. I only said I wouldn't remember if she was in here during rush hour last night. Um, excuse me, I got a customer waiting. Customer, my foot. The liar. Oh, please don't think I'm dogging your footsteps, Mr. Runyon. How do you happen to come here? Always do. You say he knows your cousin, Lady Bradshaw? To. He ought to. He owns the place. Uh, tell me, did you steal that book from the library? Oh, no, no, no. I, I picked it out of the trash can outside. What? Yeah, yeah, Scout's on her. But it's the only one she has left. She'd die before she'd throw it away. How about afterwards? What do you mean? No, just skip it. Here, look at this inscription on the flylist. To Greg. Someday I'll find you. What does she mean by that? Greg Stanhope. She used to think she was in love with him. Maybe she was, I don't know. But Uncle Charles decided it was wrong and broke it up. A fatal mistake, I might add. Mm, why fatal? They found Greg the next day with a champagne glass in one hand and a gun in the other. He'd shot himself. Hello, George. Yeah? 
Uh, this is Runyon. What do you waste your time on me for, Runyon? I'm nuts, you know. I'm now, crazy. Now, shut up, George. Take it easy. Ask me a couple of questions. You know anybody named Stanhope? Greg Stanhope? Yeah. No, I never heard of him. Uh-huh. How did you happen to say Greg? I don't know. It just popped into my head. Greg Stanhope. It goes together somehow. Greg... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I do know. Yeah, she was... She was talking about him last night. That's who she toasted when she raised her glass just before she... Okay, shot. okay. Now, one more question, George. Did anyone in see you leave the building last night? Well, sure, the janitor. Anyone else? No. Well, look, supposing it went like you said. Suppose someone picked you off the floor at the Bradshaw apartment and brought you home. Is there anyone who'd know exactly where to hang your clothes and straighten out the rest of your apartment besides you? Sure, the janitor would, but he already told He's you. got a couple of sidelines. George, as a writer, this may come as a di disappointment to you, but you aren't nuts. Listen, Mr. Ronion, get your foot out of my door before now take I... take it easy, pal. I'm coming in. I already told you all I know about George Dutton. That I'm inclined to doubt. Now sit down, pal. You've had a hard day pushing a broom and raking in cash. You want I to call a cop? There's a law against breaking into a guy's apartment. There's also a law against criminal conspiracy. I said I give it to you this afternoon, all of it. Don't call me no criminal conspiracy because I'm janitor, no criminal, see? How much did Charles Bradshaw pay you to tell me George wasn't out of his apartment last night? I don't know nothing, I tell you. Now, get out of here. Now, you come clean first. You saw George coming and going. You helped Bradshaw put him to bed last night. No, I didn't. Honest, I didn't. You better level with me, Buster, before no. I'd knock... Uh, don't come near me. Someone had fired through the window and nailed the janitor before I could make him talk. I rushed over, opened the window, and hit the back alley in half a minute flat, but it was too late. A car roared off half a block away, and that was that. I walked back to where the killer must have stood, trying to make sense out of nonsense. I'd run into my share of murders, but this was the first time in my book that someone committed one to cover up another one someone else had confessed to. Now, if that sounds confusing, it's only because it was. A party was going on three floors up. It was nice to know someone was having a good time, because I wasn't. I leaned back against the wall and mopped my head. There had to be an answer somewhere. And it was lucky I'd leaned back, or I would have been brained. A bottle whistled down three floors and glanced off my shoulder and bounced into some soft rubbish in the alley. I picked it up, looked at the label, and suddenly it hit me. It was an answer from out of the blue. Don't let them fool you, brother, it said. Reach for the real McCoy. I found the phone and called the hospital and left instructions for George. Then I hailed a cab and rushed over to Lydia Bradshaw's apartment. Uh, what time is it, Miss, uh... Bradshaw. Yeah, yeah, Bradshaw. It's almost 11. As I told you, Mr. Runyon, Uncle Charles is extremely busy taking care of the baggage and won't have time to talk to you before we yeah, sail. Yeah, sure, sure, I know. Uh, how come he forgot that trunk over there, Miss, uh... uh... Bradshaw. Yeah, Bradshaw. <laughs> I'm having a tough time with that name. Uh, what about that trunk? It's full of his first editions for the vault while we're gone. Mm-hmm. Now, let's see. Where was I? Will you stop reading that stupid book? Stupid? Listen to this. Astride the cosmic 
threshold, I gazed back toward the old familiar lighted realm once more, then resolute to turn my face the new way, toward the wild, unlighted shore. Three guesses now. Byron, Keats, or Nick Kenny? I don't know and I don't care. Well, you ought to know, baby. You wrote it. Uh, what do you mean, Mr. Onion? Poems in Praise of Death by Lydia Bradshaw. Uh, this mean anything to you? Yes. An empty beer bottle, isn't it? Yeah. Someone almost brained me with it tonight. McCoy's Pale Ale. Don't let them fool you, brother. Reach for the real McCoy. Still don't remember? Should I? Yeah. It took me a while, but I did. I wondered why you looked familiar to me. Me? Yeah. You two girls, two pictures. One of these girls is Lydia Bradshaw, Park Avenue debutante, and the other is a professional model. Which one is the real McCoy? It was an ad in all the magazines three years ago. You stick it out which is which by now, I presume. Yeah. Why did you play along with him? Is there any harm in it? Well, I can think of about six laws you're breaking, not the least of which is criminal conspiracy. Criminal? What are you doing? Just a minute, Lydia. Stay where you are, both of you. Oh. My name's not Lydia. Let's stop the pretense. Gonna make it a double header tonight, Uncle Charles? I might. Double what? Murder. Murder? What are you... Shut up. Murder? I didn't know anything about this. All you said was she killed herself and you wanted to avoid a scandal about suicide. It was a scandal, all right, but not about suicide, was it, Uncle Charles? But what was it? When Lydia killed herself last night, it threw the whole estate into the hands of the executors. Opened the books to the accountants. How much had you embezzled, Uncle Charles? A couple hundred G's, maybe? More than that, Runyon. But you're wrong on technicality. Not a scandal, not unless it gets out. And it's not going to get out. I killed once. They can't do any more to me for two or three. You can't cover it that way, Branshaw. No? Watch me, Runyon. Watch me. I don't, Mr. Branshaw, no. Hey, Runyon. Runyon, this is the place. I'm George, here. you're just in time. Huh? Who? I'm sorry. You killed him. No, but he's going to have quite a headache. The McCoy Company puts out a good bottle, too. Oh. That's her? Uh, two down. Put her on the sofa, George, while I call headquarters. Yeah. Lydia Bradshaw. No, no. This is the reasonably accurate facsimile. We'll find Lydia Bradshaw in that trunk over there. Well, then I did kill her. No, no, you didn't. She committed suicide, but her guardian didn't dare let it be known, or he'd have been discovered as an embezzler. What do you mean? Skip it for now. I need a drink. How about you? Runyon, if it's all the same to you, I'll take sarsaparilla. <laughs> Directed by Clark Andrews. The script was written by Harold Swanton. Heard on tonight's show were Lyle Sudrow as George Dutton and Gertrude Warner as Joan Cameron. The music was composed by Mark Winston. Your announcer, Don Lowe. Listen next week to another exciting adventure of the Fat Man. 
G-Note for Murder. This program came to you from New York. Welcome back. Well, this is another one of those plots. Um, if there's a series that um, remind, uh, reminds me at all uh, of the Fat Man or vice versa, I'd say it'd be Barry Craig. A lot, the, uh, a lot of the mysteries we hear here are ones that I could uh, very easily uh, imagine being told on Barry Craig. And this is kind of towards the top of the list in that regard. Well, now we do turn to listener comments and feedback. Uh, this comment comes from Arlene. What you're doing here is so awesome. I've always loved detective shows, but mostly old-time radio shows. I listen to them every night. Sherlock Holmes, Sam Spade, Nero Wolf, Johnny Dollar. I just enjoy it so much more than television. I have hundreds of shows on CD uh, that I've now put on iPod. I thought I was crazy. None of my friends listen to them. It's nice to know other people like them, too. Uh I almost think that it was watching the Waltons on TV that got me started. They used to all gather around the radio. Thanks for doing what you do. Not sure what how to contribute to this, just but let me know. I kind of want to have high school kids bring back radio shows on local stations. I'm a teacher, Arlene. Well, thanks so much, Arlene, for your comments and feedback. Uh, over at GreatDetectors.net, we do have a donate donate link. Uh, that's on the right hand side goes to PayPal and uh, you can donate uh, that way or uh, email me box13 at greatdetectives.net and I'm more than happy to provide a mailing address for that purpose. Uh, I love what you say about uh, bringing uh, radio back for the uh, for, uh, with the high school kids. If you do opt to do that, uh, a website I heartily recommend is genericradio.com. A generic radio has a wide variety of scripts, mostly transcriptions from uh, radio programs. People have just sat down and uh, transcribed what they heard. I think in an ideal world, uh, radio to uh, be able to fully come back, it'd be nice if... Uh, Kids could write their own radio scripts and perform them, but finding the information on radio writing can be a challenge. Uh, so I recommend genericradio.com to get them uh, at least introduced to the concept. So thanks so much for listening, and uh, appreciate you and all of our listeners out there. And that'll actually do it for today. We'll be back tomorrow with Let George Do It. Join us on uh, next Tuesday for the last episode of The Fat Man and uh, on Sunday for The Fat Man Movie. In the meanwhile, send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and call us 208-991-4783. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.